0: If you've got a Bible, could you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5? We're uh, going to begin a new series soon, but the first two weeks of the year, two weeks I think, uh, we're going to stop off and look at the Beatitudes. I thought they'd be a good way to begin the year, Uh, Matthew 5 and verse 1, look at verses 1 through 12 over the next two, possibly three weeks, depending on how we go. Uh, they seem like a good place to begin as we start a, a new year. So, I'm going to read from verse one. I'll read all the way through, but today we'll be looking primarily at the first four. So, children, we're jumping in here. Jesus uh, has begun his public ministry. Okay, he's grown up now. We did some of the Christmas stories before, well, before Christmas. He's grown up now. He's been baptized. He's called the first disciples and he's just gone up a mountain and he's begun to teach them. This is his first really big teaching that he's given. So let's hear the voice of our saviour. Chapter five, verse one. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord Jesus, send your light, uh, we pray into our dark hearts and our dark minds, and show us, uh, we ask, your mercy, your glory, and show us too how might we walk we might walk in your footsteps. Do this, we pray, by the power of your spirit, uh, in whom we utterly rely. We ask in your name, Amen. Well, a new year. Uh, dawn last night. I don't know how many of you can be bothered to stay up. I went to bed about nine o'clock, <laughs> uh, sign of middle age, uh, although I was then kept up by fireworks till well past midnight. So I imagine we're all somewhat groggy after uh, a Christmas period. Uh, I don't know if you're a New Year resolution type of person. I definitely am not in our family um, to my horror uh, two or three days ago, I was staying at my, my wife's family. Uh, we were all sat around in the lounge, and someone, I can't remember who, definitely not me, came up with the bright idea of giving the person to our right a New Year's resolution. Okay, pretty savage, you do not want a New Year resolution given to you by your in-laws, I can tell you. Uh, but, but if more generally, I was to say, what are your hopes for 2023? Okay, what would you like this year to look like? Children, if you look ahead, what would make this a brilliant year? In fact, why don't you expand that out? What, it, what would make a, a good life? What does the good life look like to you? Perhaps you're living it at the moment. Okay, you're really in the sweet spot. A few years ago, you had various dreams, hopes, aspirations, perhaps the husband or the wife, the career, the house, and they've all fallen into place. And right now, you are in that sweet spot. You are living your best life now. Okay, the Instagram influencers taking pictures of your life, that they would see that yeah, you've got it made. You might not be a billionaire, but you don't want to be. You're where you want to be. For others, perhaps you feel like frankly you're well everything's fallen apart. Life isn't in full colour, it's it's black and white, that the music is minor, not major. It's raining as they film the scenes of your life. And you've got dreams, if only. If only he or she would say yes. If only the bank balance would increase. If only a few more people would take an interest in me. If only the pain would go away. If only... What does a good life look like? As we begin a couple of weeks looking at the Beatitudes, Uh, the key word pretty obviously as I read it, I wonder if children, you notice it, the one that came time and time and time again. It is blessed 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 now there are actually two words that end up as blessed in our english new testaments two greek words the children the new testament is written in greek and sometimes well you can't quite you can't quite sort of translate them directly into english in a way that kind of shows the difference so these two greek words both end up as blessed when you come to english but they're slightly different. Uh, one of them is, is the kind of word, we get it in Ephesians 1, um, blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in every way, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. It is the kind of blessing that means God is favouring you. Okay, The very word is about kind of God favouring you. But, but that isn't this word. This is a different word, makarios, for those who are interested. This is a different word. It, it's more a word about almost flourishing. When you read the the genuinely clever people the kind of commentaries and the people who really understand languages and they they really struggle to translate it in fact one of them who's a sort of notable academic you know he's got more PhDs than you've had hot dinners he ends up saying it's something like good on ya (laughs) that's an academic really stooping to try and stretch for a right word but, but it's to do with flourishing. I think perhaps the most helpful way to think about it is that when they translated the Old Testament into Greek, it's getting confusing now, isn't it? The Old Testament was written in Hebrew children, but at one point they translated it into Greek because lots of the Jews were speaking Greek. Then when they translated Psalm 1, blessed is the man. that They used this word, this same word that Jesus is using here in the Beatitudes. The reason that's helpful, or at least I find it helpful, is the picture in Psalm 1 goes to speak uh, about the man who meditates day and night on the word of the Lord, who doesn't uh, spend all his time walking around with, with scoffers and sinners, sitting with them, but instead he meditates day and night on the, day, on the word of the Lord. That man is like a tree planted by streams of water, it, it flourishes, it's fruitful. And when the word blessed is applied to that man, it's this same word that Jesus uses in the Beatitudes. It's, it's a word that is kind of about flourishing, the, the good life, if you like. This is the sign that things are going well. Now, of course, if things are going well, if you're flourishing, ultimately, it's going to be a gift of God. So the two words aren't totally separate. But, but what Jesus is doing in, in the Beatitudes is describing the good life. It might be helpful... Uh, Two, just sort of by way of introduction, to to think about the contrast between these two blessing words. The first one, the God speaking well of you, approving you one, has an opposite. Bless, and the opposite is curse. If you know the Bible story, you might know it lots of times. Blessings and curses are put as opposites. At one time, the people of Israel go up a mountain, and they call blessings and curses out to one another. But this blessing word, the opposite of this blessing word, the matching pair, is not curse, but woe. In fact, later on in, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 23, Jesus will pronounce woes that kind of mirror these blessings. And woe, children, you know that woe is kind of, oh no, woe, it's awful when, it's that kind of word. And so the blessing is the opposite. Oh, it's going well when. In other words, what Jesus is describing in the Beatitudes is the kind of, the kind of life that's meant to make you say, ah, oh, yes. Children, do you have things that make you go, ah, oh, brilliant. Okay, maybe you've been out playing football, you're muddy, you're cold, you come in and mum's a, a really, run a really warm bath. Ah, yeah, oh, perfect. Ah, oh, that's great. Okay, sausages and mash. Ah, oh, yes. It's that kind of idea. Here is the flourishing life, which, of course, ultimately meets with God's approval because it is Jesus, the son of God, who is speaking these blessings. So no totally hard and fast difference, but it is helpful, I think, to understand that what Jesus is saying here is this is what a flourishing life in my kingdom looks like. Two things very simply this morning. First of all, that good life. The good life is a gift. The good life is a gift. This is verses one and two. There's the setting again. Seeing the crowns, Jesus went up on the mountain And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. What's going on as we we begin the Sermon on the Mount is we're being given all sorts of reminders of the Exodus. Two particular things point us to the Exodus, the speaker and the setting. Let's think of the speaker first. Who's speaking these words? Well, it's Jesus, of course. We know that. But if we'd read through Matthew's gospel rather than just diving in at chapter 5, We'd see that Jesus has been presented to us in a particular way. Okay, the colors Matthew uses to paint the portrait of Jesus in Matthew 1 to four were, well, colors borrowed from the Old Testament and in particular borrowed from the story of Exodus. But the life of Jesus is meant to remind us of mirror, the life of Moses. Children, I wonder if you can remember the life of Moses very well. Remember, what's one of the first things we learn about Moses? The very first thing, in fact. When he's born, do you remember, Pharaoh tries to kill him. There's a wicked foreign ruler who tries to kill him. What's one of the first things that happens to Jesus? There is a wicked foreign ruler, Herod, who tries to kill him. Time goes on. Uh, What happens to Moses? Moses has to go into exile. A bit later in life, he tries to get killed again. He goes off into exile. One of the first things that happens to Jesus, he goes off into exile. His parents have to take him down into Egypt. Uh, eventually, he returns, and as he begins his public ministry, again, this is all in Matthew one through three, one through four. Sorry, he he comes to begin his ministry by coming into the Jordan River. Uh, why? Well, because when Israel, or sorry, when Moses leads the people to begin the kind of great rescue he comes through the Jordan sorry through the Red Sea it's a big crossing and after Moses leads the people across the Red Sea what does he do he takes them to Mount Sinai what does Jesus do as he's been baptized he's come through the Jordan he's gathered a people what does he do well he takes them to a mountain verse one Now, they're not exact matches. As I said, it's more like impressions. But but it is clearly there that Jesus is being pictured as, as a new Moses. In fact, throughout Matthew's gospel, that pattern will continue. You might know there are five main blocks of teaching in Matthew's gospel. The sermons aren't just sort of peppered here, there and everywhere. There are five of them, which is almost certainly meant to mirror the fact that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. On and on we might go, but there are parallels. Jesus is like a new Moses. Now, hold on to that thought. At the moment, you might be thinking, well, who cares? Just hold on to it. Think Exodus, the speaker, but also the setting. We've alluded to this already. Where are we? We're on a mountain. Why does Matthew bother telling us we're on a mountain? Well, as we've said, it's meant to remind us of Mount Sinai, the place where God's covenant people in the Old Testament gathered to hear how they were meant to live after they'd been rescued. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount is going to have lots of echoes of the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, as it goes on, uh, Jesus will say, you've heard it said, do not murder. Where have they heard, do not murder? Ten Commandments. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Where have they heard, do not commit adultery? The Ten Commandments. All sorts of parallels between the two Now, why does that matter? Why does that Exodus setting matter? Because, because we need to understand the purpose of the Beatitudes, indeed, the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount in general. That this sermon is not going to be all about how to behave in order that God will save you. Rather, this is a sermon telling you how to behave now God has saved you. Just like with the Exodus. Again, children, you remember, God didn't come to the people of Israel or send Moses to the people of Israel as they were slaves and say, if you live like this, then I will set you free. Now, he set them free. Then he brought them to the mountain and taught them how to live. So, too, here. Here is Jesus, the saviour. He's gathered his people. As my new people, this is how to live. So the Beatitudes, when we look at them, are not... They're not kind of, if you do this, then you will earn this reward in a really kind of mechanical way. Again, John, have you ever seen some, you know, those vending machines, like a chocolate machine at a swimming pool or something? You, you put in a pound and you choose, I'll have a Mars bar, an you know, F7 for a Mars bar or g G6 for a boost. Put in the money, press the buttons, out comes the reward. The Beatitudes are not like that. So look at the first one. It's not... If you do some being poor in spirit, then God will reward you with the kingdom of God. So you push in the little, look at me, I've been really poor in spirit, God. And he says, well done, here's the kingdom of God. Uh, It's not uh, if you look down to verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. It's not if you stop a fight between your brother and sister. God says, well, well done, you can be one of my children, reward Given. In fact, while we're at it, uh, the beatitudes are not separate values at all. It is one package, as you like. It's not as if one one characteristic leads to one reward and another another. Not just because they're not vending machine kind of promises, but also if you look at the first and the last beatitudes, they promise the same thing. Blessed verse three are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are a, a package. It's not possible to be poor in spirit whilst, without also being merciful. It's not possible to be someone who mourns without also being pure in heart. So if they're not vending machine promises, push in this and get out this, what are they? Well, the good life is a gift. God has rescued you. Jesus has done everything for you. And these are therefore, first of all, descriptions...